Welcome to the Deep Light Podcast from Park City's Presbyterian Church. This is a space for community, healing, hope, and education around topics of rescue and growth. Our prayer for this series is that it illuminates a deeper understanding of struggles within and around us, as well as God's profound love and redemptive light in Jesus Christ. Well, hi, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Deep Light. It's a ministry of Park City's Presbyterian Church, where I have the privilege of serving as one of the pastors. Uh, I'm very grateful today that Leela Redwine is with us. Uh, I met her a long, long time ago when I was pastor to youth and families here. And we're in the middle of a series on grief. And grief is something that, as human beings, we all experience, but not, not always the same way. And different things create uh, grief in our lives. And then because of who we are, we often process it differently. So in this series called Spring Grief, we're just lo- listening to different people's stories, what grief has come into their life or griefs have come into their life over time and how do they experience that and how do they really sense the power of God's presence in their life to encourage them. So as always, if there's something going on in your life and you would like help, please reach out to us at 214-224-2500 or you can also reach out to us at deeplight at pcpc.org, where we would love to come alongside you with anything that you're going through. So appreciate you coming along with us today. Well, Leela, thanks for giving us time. Thanks and, for um, having me. Okay, re- remind me what years you were here in the student ministry. Okay, so I was here, it would have been 2001 through 2005. Yeah. It started with the Florida trip. Yeah. Came on the Florida trip, I got hooked, and then I was here. We grew up at Park City's Baptist Church, uh-huh. and then um, my dad and I ended up, he would bring me to church here for high school youth group, and then you came, which was great, mm-hmm. and then my mom and my brother would go to Park City's Baptist, so it was kind of a funny couple of years, but then my parents are still there, and then my husband and I and our family are here at Park City's Press. Yeah, which is great, you know, that, that's the wonderful thing about being in a community with so many great churches, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes you connect at one more than another, even for a season, but... Anyway, I've been here 20 years now, so I've known you almost the whole time. And obviously, time. you're no longer a student. <laughs> and you've got this life that's just really remarkable now. So bring me up to date. Tell me a little bit about your life right now before we jump into the topic of grief. So I am married to a wonderful man named Blake Redwine, mm-hmm. and he has some family that's here at the church as well. Mm-hmm. And he's from Oklahoma, actually, but um, we met here. Then we have two boys, and then we're expecting another baby on the way. So yeah. we've been married. This will be our 10th anniversary this summer. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, going on 10 years now. Congratulations. So, yeah, but we've been members of the church since, I'm not sure technically when our membership began, but we have attended the church since we got married and were engaged and yeah. everything. That's exciting, 10 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes fast, doesn't it? It does go really fast. Yeah, but <laughs> I as can't a, believe it. As a young mom, though, not every day feels fast, probably. Um, that some is of those true. days feel a little bit longer and harder. Mm-hmm. Especially with an ice week last week. It was, that was testing. See, our, we have five kids, and our youngest is, I just told you this earlier, is almost 13 now. So when that happened, it was great. You know, it was like <laughs> they're, they're happy to be home. They're doing their own thing. I'm kind of happy for a change of pace in the mm-hmm. schedule. Now, this is going to air in the spring, so we're talking about this being February of 2023 when the ice storm hit. Wasn't as bad as the one a few years ago. No. But it still surprisingly shut the city down for four days. I mean, Dallas just, 
they just like to have something to get excited about once a year. Once a year. <laughs> and that was it. So, that was it. <laughs> well, we are, as you know, talking about grief. And there's all sorts of things that happen in our life that bring grief. And one of the reasons we felt led to do this is just because of the different ways people grieve. And sometimes we feel like everybody should grieve the same way. And if somebody's not grieving the way we're grieving, uh, we wonder if they're grieving at all. And so I'm really grateful that you could come on and tell us a little bit about your story and just how you have experienced God's presence and faithfulness, even in days that felt really hard, confusing. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, probably when I look back on my life, the two seasons that tested me the most in terms of times that I was impacted by the grief of just this feeling of loss and mm -hmm. um, real hardship in life would be literally the week I was graduating from college. Uh, my dad was diagnosed with lymphoma, which is a form of cancer. Mm -hmm. And he is now remission, recovered and everything, which mm -hmm. is wonderful. But that was that really shook me and was mm -hmm. really hard because he's been the strong man in our household and physically he just couldn't be that for yeah. a period of time and that transition right out of college and then into the real world and it was 2009 I, it was really hard to get a job yeah. it was just it was that was a really on. trying time so you would have thought okay you know how to process through a difficult time but yeah. then later on my husband and I decided we were ready to start trying to have children and on paper we were the specimen of health in terms of you'll get pregnant the first time you try and that just was not the case for us mm -hmm. and um, that season was completely different in terms of the way that I experienced grief and just processed those feelings of sadness and dealt with that and um, thankfully I can say we're on the other side of that now I'm pregnant with our third child so mm -hmm. God has we never thought we'd have more than two children and mm -hmm. here we are so God can surprise you in ways but something that was really unique about between the two situations with my dad's lymphoma that's something that's very people talk about cancer if you have cancer and that that's easier to talk about people mm -hmm. are more comfortable talking about someone being sick with cancer but infertility can be this very private loneliness mm -hmm. and with people I've talked to I would say that's probably the most consistent theme of what people are grieving. They're just feeling so alone yeah. during that season because it seems like right when you're going through it, everywhere you turn around, someone else is pregnant, someone's having their baby. And I mean, this sounds so terrible, but I remember even driving, I worked downtown, driving home a couple of times and seeing someone on the street who was pregnant and was smoking a cigarette. And I thought, and I said, Lord, I'm really responsible. Like, why aren't you giving me a baby? You, you're giving her a baby. And that's not how God works. Like, mm. I, he loves her just as much as he loves me. And, yeah. and it's taken me time to, I know, I know those things on paper, but still when you're in the middle of it, it, your heart can kind of start to trick you on some of those things. Yeah. So that's, it's kind of, how it ended up being a pretty long season. It was about two years from mm -hmm. the time we decided to have children to, to the, it was probably about two and a half years actually until the time that we actually had our first child. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I wish I had been more open about mm -hmm. it because I think there are people who could have come alongside me to mm -hmm. help me during that time. Um, 
but and so that's what I would encourage people if they are if that's the particular season that they're going mm-hmm. through to reach out for help. I do think that I like I'm so excited that the church is addressing this topic because mm-hmm. at the time I didn't I didn't even feel like I could really find resources within the church to find someone to talk to about yeah. it. And so, um, and I'll say that if someone reaches out to you and specifically wants to talk to me, I'd be more than happy to talk to them. Well, that's kind. And we can, you know, make that available, you know, because I think, you know, so many women experience what you've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have multiple miscarriages. They could go through the, the grief of hoping, 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 and then, oh no, once again, it mm-hmm. happens. And sometimes they have somebody they can talk to, but I have discovered a lot of times that they didn't, they didn't mm-hmm. know. And I love that you bring up that sense of isolation, that loneliness that you felt. Why do you think that's the case? Why do you think this is something that, you know, just people don't talk about or don't know who to talk to? You know, I have thought about that a lot, and I don't know is the answer, but I've thought about it in two ways because there was one part of me that felt like, I shouldn't talk about this because sometimes the more you talk about something, it, it almost festers the issue and mm-hmm. you, your mind tends to fixate on it more than you might otherwise. Mm-hmm. But then again, if you also don't talk about it, then you aren't sorting through it and processing through. I think what was one of the hardest things, and you alluded to this just a moment ago, was just every month getting our hopes up. And yeah. then, and my husband is wonderful and he and I are very symbi- symbiotic, like very, we get along very well, mm-hmm. but um, the way that I experienced the grief during that season was completely different for me than it was for mm-hmm. him because I physically was the one dealing with it on a monthly basis. I'm like, okay, once again, no baby. Okay, here we go. But, yeah. and so it, it is, there's definitely more of a weight or it seems to be on the woman than there is on the man during that time. But, I think um, you were talking about this, just that hope that something's going to happen and yeah. then it keeps not happening. Yeah. I remember at one point, it's almost like I was making a deal with God and mm. I told him, okay, I'm going to hope for one more month and then I'm done having hope because mm. I just feel like if I actually hope, then I'm setting myself up to be hurt afterward. Whereas if I just don't hope and I expect nothing from it, then I won't be hurt. But that's... That's not how God works. And on the other side of it, it's taken me a long time to get to this. I, I can't say that my faith was completely unwavering during yeah. this ta- season. Let's talk about that for a minute. Because I love it on this podcast when people, and they usually are, will be really honest about that. Because mm-hmm. even the way you describe driving on the road, seeing the woman who's smoking, who's, you know, I get, I get that. And it's just like, this doesn't seem just it doesn't seem wise why mm-hmm. why would you make this seem impossible for me when others can you know who don't maybe even seem like they would be good moms mm-hmm. or fit for this or if they even wanted them the child you know I don't understand Lord and so that is often met with silence mm-hmm. in other words when you pray a prayer like that or you're being honest with the Lord about that so often people can just feel like he's just being silent did you ever feel like he was silent Yes, I did. And what did that make you feel like? I got angry. That sounds, I, and I'm not a angry, per, like I'm no. not a naturally angry person, but I was really 
mad at God for yeah. a period of time. I remember it was the fall of 2017, and we'd been trying for over a year at that point. We'd tried a couple of different, um, you know, more like intervening type things mm -hmm. to try to see if we could get pregnant those right. ways, and those hadn't worked. And mm -hmm. everything on paper said, everything's just fine with you guys. There's nothing wrong with you, y'all. So we don't know why this isn't working for mm -hmm. you. And um, this is later on down the road, actually, between our first and our second, there mm -hmm. was a time where we tried again, nothing had worked. And then I remember I was driving down Central Expressway and some song came on the radio, I don't know what it was, and I started bawling, crying, mm -hmm. and I said, I can't, God, I cannot handle the weight of this any longer. Mm -hmm. You have to take this from me. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's like it says, a peace which transcends all understanding, and it was just this peace of the Lord that just lifted. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And then God unfolded, you know, things in our story from that point that were more than we could have ever imagined and mm -hmm. dreamed from there. And so, um, but in that particular season of just feeling angry with God, it was so hard to see how I was going to get past that. Mm -hmm. And um, that was the point at which I, I really wish I had known someone to talk to about yeah. it and had felt like, I mean, I've grown up in the church. I've had a faith for a long time. And to tell someone that I'm angry at God felt sacrilegious almost. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't even feel like I could talk about that really. But um, God, you know, you have to remember, he's not just walking next to you. He's actually carrying you the mm -hmm. whole time. Mm -hmm. And he knows exactly where he's leading you. And the wisdom that has come through this trial and through this season, and as I've, you know, we grieved through it and everything, was learning that, God is good no matter what the outcome is. Mm. And our purpose is not to, I felt like my purpose, I'm a female, I'm a wife, I'm supposed to have children. This is part of what I'm supposed to do and mm -hmm. I couldn't fulfill that. Yeah. But that's not, my purpose is to glorify the Lord mm. and you know to live with him forever then in heaven. But that was hard for me to see at that time. That yeah. wasn't, that wasn't, my eye was not on the prize in that moment. Um, but just kind of some practical things that were helpful to me as I was going through that season. Sometimes reading scripture was actually hard because to actually read, you have to focus on the words. Mm -hmm. Listening to music was easier because mm -hmm. someone else was handling the words and then there's a tempo and everything. And mm -hmm. so for some reason I could follow that better, mm -hmm. but finding songs that really spoke truth about who God is mm -hmm. and reminding myself of, who he is, and my situation doesn't change who God is. He He is consistent. Our situations can change, and there's so much peace and comfort that comes from that. Mm. I love how you described what was working and what wasn't working. Mm -hmm. Now, being angry at God, most of the time when people um, are angry at God, if they're already a Christian, they're walking with Christ, there's a part of them that feels like I'm probably not supposed to be like this. Yeah, that was me. That but, was how but I felt. I am. Mm -hmm. And in my office, oftentimes, or you know, over a cup of coffee, I'll talk with somebody, and when I can sense, well, you're you're really angry at God. Most of the time, when I say that, like, I think you're angry at God. People are like, No, I'm not angry at God. It's <laughs> like I, I think you are. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not angry at God. 
Are you angry at me for saying that I think you're angry at God? No, but I'm not angry at God. Let's camp there for a little bit. And then finally, the Spirit of God has to do this, the Holy Spirit. There's a sense of they, they can admit it. I am mm-hmm. angry at God. Like, God can handle it. Mm-hmm. God can handle it. Just because you're angry doesn't mean he's not who he is. It doesn't mean he's not good. But there's something that you have longed for, something that you might even think you've been created for, like giving Motherhood. birth to children, yes. being a mother. It's not happening, and you don't understand why. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing about God's holy word is that every emotion known to man is recorded in scriptures, particularly the book of Psalms. You know, there's not a, an emotion that you and I can experience that one of the psalm, psalmists didn't experience. And the word lament is a great word where we are lamenting a circumstance, mm-hmm. a bitter providence. And those can be very bold, very honest. I mean, even our own Savior was bold in that, where he was feeling certain things. And then using scripture as prayers, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, mm-hmm. things like that. So I think it's really important. But in your moments, when you, you came to peace with the fact that I am angry at God, mm-hmm. how did God meet you in that anger? Like, did you um, did your anger kind of surge in moments and then kind of calm down? Or was it just kind of a steady... Almost it's kind of like a slow boil on the yeah. stove. Like, yeah. it, it went on. It wasn't like an expl- I had this explosive moment, mm-hmm. and I realized that's what was going on. It was just kind of this unrest and yeah. discontent and, you know, a lack of peace, yeah. which means I'm not sitting right with the Lord. Yeah. I'm, you know, my eyes are not fixed on him. They were fixed on the situation. So tremendous wisdom. You have tremendous wisdom, things you've already said. Um, in this interview have been very, very helpful. Let's stay with anger for a minute. When you realized, I'm angry, it's a steady anger, and you kind of got honest with the Lord about that, what was that like? Did you sense, how how did he seem to you in that moment when you were able to say, I'm very upset, I'm very angry, I'm very confused? How did he feel to you at that moment? Mm -hmm. I mean, to be honest, I think initially I just kind of Push him, push him away. Yeah, yeah. I've said my piece. Yeah, I'm mad at you. I don't really want to deal with you right now. Yeah. And rather than having, you know, my normal, regular conversation with yeah. him all, yeah. all day long. Yeah. But um, I would say that I just pushed him away and said, I'm going to handle this my own way because I've been waiting on you for over a year to handle this for me and clearly you're not showing up so Mm. I'm gonna have to take matters into my own hands which Mm. that's also just part of who I am as a person that Mm -hmm. okay I'm gonna just fix this problem if there's a problem but rather than what my reaction would you know a healthy reaction would have been you know coming to the feet of the cross and saying Lord I I am angry help me through this and I I would say it wasn't until you know we got pregnant with our first, and even then, once we had him, that then like some healing started to happen. Yeah. It, it took a long time, and I also, and I'll tell this too, um, for people maybe who have this feeling. I thought, okay, you know, God, if if you'll just give me that one baby, I'm gonna feel better about this. Mm-hmm. This, this is all gonna be better. We're, we'll be good again mm-hmm. if you give me a baby. Mm-hmm. And I remember the baby was born. He was three months old. He was six months old. That didn't fix it. Mm -hmm. Because 
that wasn't going to fix it. Mm -hmm. It was Jesus who had to fix it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, infertility is something that I describe to people as, it's like a, an incision that you have or a cut or something. You, it does heal, but you always have that scar. Mm -hmm. And you will, like, you'll always see that scar from that time. Mm -hmm. But take that and do something good with it instead mm -hmm. of, letting it fester and get reinfected and mm -hmm. those kinds of things. But it was, it was really surprising to me because I just had in my mind that once I have this baby, it's, it's going to fix all these feelings that I have. That's going to fix it. But that wasn't going to fix it. I mean, I am so thankful that the Lord eventually did bless us with children. Mm -hmm. We are very grateful for that. But that, that's not the story for everyone. And it doesn't, fix that hole that you have in your heart. Only Jesus can fill that hole. I love the way you've described um, pushing him away. Mm -hmm. So before I move on, did you know you were pushing him away? Or is it something that you gradually Subconsciously realized? Subconsciously did? Yeah, all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, I, th I, I think I was more... Direct. Yeah. 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 I mean, I still went to our couple's Bible study. It wasn't like I quit showing up to Bible study, yeah. but... My heart wasn't in it. Well, I think that's important to say because a lot of people could be feeling the way you felt. And it, it's not just with an issue of infertility, but it could, be, it could be any issue of a shattered dream, a disappointment, something that they've longed for, prayed for, they even think is right and godly, and it's just not happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they still show up and everything looks normal when below the surface they're really hurting, mm -hmm. they're really angry. And God can handle that, mm -hmm. you know, but we... We don't know if he can sometimes, or we certainly think the people that we're in community with couldn't handle us if they really knew how we were feeling. So I love the way you've been honest about that. And I w one thing I will say on that, and anyone who's been in Bible study will have heard me say this at some point, in our premarital counseling, something that was said, and it's always stuck with me, it, it's not in the Bible, but there's a lot of truth to it, is mm -hmm. it's easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. So if you are in one of those seasons where you are feeling disconnected with the Lord, sometimes just the act of showing up, showing up mm -hmm. over time, just it's kind of like muscle memory almost. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden it just clicks back again. Yeah. Rather than just completely abandoning it, I would encourage people if they are feeling disconnected from the Lord to keep in the rhythm of it. Yeah, that's extremely wise because, you know, our enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. One of the first things he wants to do, well, first things he wants to just take the word of God out of our life. So if we feel almost justified because of a profound pain, a bitter providence that God has treated us wrong or he's not listening or he doesn't care, then we can easily take that nutrient, you know, that spiritual living word out of our life. Mm -hmm. You know, so we don't read the word. We don't go to church. We're not in community. And a lot of times people are like, well, I don't feel like it. You know, I'm going to wait till I feel like it. Well, you may never feel like it again. You know, so you need to exercise the means of grace, continue to avail yourself of those things because over time you're going to sense that they're doing a work that they've been doing all along. But in the moment, you know, the hardness that's there, the disappointment, all that's very, very real. And I guess what I would add to that is, to your earlier point about feeling isolated, that's why we need to be able to talk to mm -hmm. people. And sometimes in a, particularly in the buckle of the Bible belt, Christians don't really know how to deal with people's grief. 
you know, and they just want to. people's problems. Yeah, they just want to no, throw. No, supposed to be good. Yeah. If we're good. Here's a verse, you yeah. know, and that can be painful in itself. Mm-hmm. It's just like, no, I'm really hurting. I had people tell me I wasn't praying hard enough. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think that's how God works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and those are the kinds of things that when I walk through grief with somebody, um, especially if they've lost a child, this is when I warn them, like at a memorial service, you're going to hear some things that people say to you. They're well-meaning, but they don't know what to say. And if you don't know what to say, you shouldn't say anything. <laughs> I'm looking directly at the camera now if you're listening. It's true. If you don't know what to say, don't say anything except I'm sorry and I'm praying for you. That's enough. But when we... And don't even say, I understand how you're feeling. I learned that. Because even if you and I on paper went through the identical situation as one another, the way you experience the feelings around that and the way the Lord is working through your life in that situation could be completely different than the way he is. So a better way to talk to someone would say, I'm very sympathetic. Yeah. Not, I understand where you're coming from, or I, I understand exactly what you're going through, because you don't, you, yeah. you are not in their shoes. You're not, not in that moment, and the experience with your own personality and background could be mm-hmm. totally different. So I think that's very wise. Again, the, the best thing is just a ministry of presence. Mm-hmm. Just say very little, if even nothing, except I'm sorry, and I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. But we can use even the Word of God uh, in a way we think is helpful, and you know, things like, oh, well, he has a plan. You know, he works all things out for the good of those who, and all of a sudden you hear that in a place of pain. And while all that's true, because it's his word, it doesn't really land on a heart. Kind of like, wah, wah, yeah, or worse, right? Yeah. <laughs> that turns into bitterness, and, mm-hmm. and, and then isolation can become even greater. So I want to go back to what you said about um, music. I thought that was really interesting. You know, you almost sounded like you felt exhausted to try to look at the word of God, mm-hmm. but music, people singing those words, singing truths about God, really ministered to your soul. Tell me about that. It, it was just, I, I remember, and I still have it in my Spotify account, I made this playlist, and if I felt my mind going to the dark places, I would just turn it on. And a lot of times it was as I was getting ready for work in the morning. It was those quiet times that you're the loneliest. Mm-hmm and that your mind then starts to wander. And those are the times that are difficult, but I just had to continually remind myself, no, they weren't scripture specifically, but the things these songs said were very true about the Lord and continually remind myself about who he is and not what the situation is. And it shifts your focus from down here to up here. Mm And um, even on the drive here, I had to look up the name of the song because um, I, I didn't actually know what the song was called, but it's the song called Blessings was on the radio. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how fitting, Lord, that you are having this song played while I'm coming to talk about this. But yeah. it talks about sometimes the trials in this life are your mercies in disguise. And mm-hmm. it is true because um, what I've learned about the Lord, I wouldn't know about him had mm-hmm. I not gone through these different experiences Mm -hmm. and um another song that was particularly encouraging to me and i'm sorry i don't know the artists of any of these but um is this song called take courage and it talks about the god is in the waiting Mm -hmm. because i remember just feeling like he was silent Mm -hmm. and that was part of the loneliness of it it wasn't just that i was isolated amongst my peers they were all having their children and i wasn't 
And then, uh, and so they're all talking about their babies and this and that, and I just have no, had nothing to contribute to yeah. that. But it was also feeling like I every month I would have this hope, and then nothing would happen, and that the Lord had left me too. Yeah. And I was just in this season of waiting, and that song I listened to that song so many times, mm. but. Um, and I still to this day listen to it and it for different things like there was something I felt like I was called to advocate for at our little preschool and but I kept feeling like God was saying wait wait and I would listen to that song and it was, yeah. he's in the waiting okay I'm, I'm supposed to wait you're not you don't want me to address this yet mm. and um, so anyway but songs like that were really helpful to me when I was in seminary uh, I went to Covenant Seminary and from 94 to 97, and when you graduate, five seniors um, are nominated to preach, you know, a sermon, and uh, which is a real, a real gift and privilege, um, and you get to listen to them, you know, and I heard five, or I, I was one of the five, I got to give one of them. Um, I don't I remember, I remember what I preached, but the one I remember most was by a man named Glenn Hoberg. And the title of his sermon was, I think it was The Waiting Room. Mm -hmm. And that sermon by a senior just about to graduate from seminary was so powerful because he talked about the pain that's present for all who are in the waiting room. Mm -hmm. Because when you're in the waiting room, you're, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you're, you're longing for, you're praying for. And every time that door opens and a doctor comes out, you don't know if it's your doctor, you don't know what kind of news they're bringing, et cetera. And it was just a powerful, powerful sermon. I don't even know if we could find it. Um, but Glenn Hoberg, uh, a classmate, just a wonderful man of God, planted a church in D.C. called Grace D.C. Anyway, many years ago. But Glenn's point was there's so much pain in the waiting room. And even if you're not in a physical waiting room, anytime we're waiting for something mm -hmm. that we don't know how God's going to answer, that's a trial. You know, you're just, you're, you're trying to remember what the Word of God says about Him. He's good and does good, Psalm 119. Um, he's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent, all those things. But when you don't know what He's going to do, that waiting time is so painful. Then when you have hope that's coming and you the rhythm of mm -hmm. every month, is mm -hmm. this going to happen? And then it doesn't. Time and time and time again, it's, it just creates the, the grief we're talking about. And I love how you, a moment ago, talked about how it lifted my eyes up. Mm -hmm. You know, it just took your eyes off of self and off mm -hmm. of circumstances. And I often talk about how meditation on the Word of God really is meditating upon who the Word says He is. And two things become really helpful. One is I'm going to meditate upon the greatness of God, mm -hmm. which is actually not very hard to do. Think about all it says about Him. But the second one is really important too, and that's the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. And when God doesn't feel very good or what he's doing or allowing to happen, permitting to happen, doesn't feel very good, that's a lot harder. Does yeah, the goodness can feel more circumstantial than his greatness. Yeah, yeah. And that is hard. And I think both really matter. Mm -hmm. But in order to really experience his goodness... I think we have to be really honest about the pain we're in. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we feel like we can't. Um, there is, and I don't know if this will be after yours or before, but a man in our church named Sam Joyner lost his wife to colon cancer. Mm -hmm. And he was sitting right where you're sitting just a few weeks ago. He's a dear, dear friend. I walked with him through that journey. 
um, many years ago, and he said something about grief, you know, that I'll never forget. He talked about how the gift of grief gave me the gift of God himself. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, would you say that again? <laughs> uh, because you, we don't think of grief as a gift. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you talked a moment ago about driving down the road, kind of shouting at God. He said the very same thing. He said actually curse God out. Every mm-hmm. curse word I could think of, I, I spoke loudly in my car. And I asked him the same question. I asked you, how did God meet you in that grief? And then he gave that line that the gift of grief gave me the gift of God himself. That there is a moment when God, because only he can do this, he breaks through the grief to give us a vision of who he is. Taking our eyes from the circumstance on self or whatever and lifts it up. Mm-hmm. What, Along with the songs that you talked about, what were other things that came your way that suddenly gave you that sense of he really does have me? I'm, I'm in his grip no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, these things really came later on, like, mm-hmm. you know, after, yay, we got pregnant, we're going to have a baby. It, it wasn't then. Yeah. Yay, we had a baby. Nope, it wasn't that. It was late. I mean, it, it took a long time. So even though our season of waiting may have been shorter than the actual time to when the grieving mm-hmm. kind of came to a conclusion, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. And, and I, you know, even silly things like this, I thought when we had our baby, it was going to be, you know, my delivery would be easy. No, I had not an emergency C-section, but I lost 40% of my blood. You know, it was like all, everything just kept going wrong. And it was like, hard. no, 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 God, when are you going to show up? Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I have been now, I'm going on my fifth year of being in the Mother's Heart Bible study. Mm-hmm. And that was honestly really instrumental in the healing process mm-hmm. and um, just being in the work, you know, it, it for, I'm, I'm a lot better when I have homework than when it's uh-huh. optional. And mm-hmm. so being in the Bible study, there's homework mm-hmm. and you got to do your homework. Yeah. So I'm very good at that, <laughs> but it got, it forced me to get in the scripture and dig deep and dig into it. And one of the verses um, that's come up in one of our studies talks about how the spirit groans on your behalf. Mm-hmm. And I've thought about that so many times, how in that season when I didn't have, I didn't know what to even pray anymore mm-hmm. and how to pray. I, I was so angry. Like I couldn't even talk to God. I'm, mm-hmm. j- I'm just too angry to talk to you. Mm-hmm. That the whole time the spirit who is three in one with God mm-hmm. and Jesus is inside of me and groan mm-hmm. literally groaning like mm-hmm. the thought of groaning when like being in pain and groaning mm-hmm. really speaks to me the way that the scripture says that mm-hmm. and there aren't even words but yeah. yet the lord knows exactly what we need in those moments and the spirit intercedes on our behalf but i mean really you just have to get back in the word yeah and you have to remind yourself of who god is and you know there are wonderful hymns like great is thy faithfulness that even day to day when I'm frustrated with my kids or whatever situation's going on, um, I have to remind myself, great is thy faithfulness every single day. Yeah. And Lord, great is my, thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Like specific to me, God sees me and exactly what I need in each moment, and he is with me. So the way you describe that, Leela, is I think really powerful. You have 
you've been very clear that grief for you lasted. Mm -hmm. In other words, I think it's important for some people to understand for, for some people, grief can be a long season, a long stretch. For others, not as much. Mm -hmm. Or they may deal with it at one point pretty directly, feel like they're finished, and then it comes back, back up, up mm -hmm. right? So again, the point is we all grieve differently and we all need the same person that's Christ. But ultimately, we need to know that that can take its time as it did in your case. The other thing that I think you've said is just even when you get through a season of grief and you experience the gentle hand of God or he becomes you know, kind again and or just gracious, whatever it is that you need, that doesn't mean that each day with Jesus is necessarily sweeter than the day before. John Piper says that, that you don't still need to preach the gospel to yourself every day, you know, to take a song or a hymn like Great Is Thy Faithfulness and hear it over and over again mm -hmm. in your own heart and mind, even if you're singing it or someone's singing it over you. Mm -hmm. Those things really matter. And I had this kind of this picture of so often in the Christian walk, we think of it as a, there's a starting point and then it's this kind of steady incline mm -hmm. with some dips, there's valleys, but then there's some climbs, but it's always kind of going up. I'm not saying that's a wrong way to think about the Christian life, but I think there's a, a way that explains a little better, and that is more of just a flat line. And you're in or you're out. Yeah, and, and you start here. There's a point where mm -hmm. I came to Christ, and then there's a point when he's going to return or call me home. Mm -hmm. But between now and then, instead of thinking about it as up and downs, there is just a series of thick walls, mm -hmm. various densities, heights, widths, etc. And when we hit one, and it's a hard very, very hard dynamic. We want to run away from that or dig under it or run around it or climb over it. And the Lord is just like, I'm here mm -hmm. and we're going to go through this. And you and I don't know how long that's going to last. Um, he does. Mm -hmm. And he could tell us, but he often doesn't. What he tells us is, I'm going with you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lead you. I'm never going to forsake you. And when you get through one, like you guys have, you know at some point there's going to be another one. Mm -hmm. And he's given you something to anchor in, namely himself. But I got you through this. I'm going to get you through the next one as well, no matter what that looks like. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I, I mean, sometimes I even get a little bit scared if life seeming a little too smooth. Yeah. Like, uh-oh, God's got something coming Somebody's for coming. us. Yeah, yeah. My pastor in St. Louis used to say, <laughs> you're either in a crisis, coming out of a crisis, or heading Entering towards one. a crisis. You know? <laughs> it's like, that's not very good news. But it, it's true. And the good news is we're not going to do that alone. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, it, as you've already said very clearly, it feels so alone. Mm -hmm. What do you wish um, the church or believers in general would have in place that would have been helpful to you as you were going through that? Mm. I mean, if specifically if there had been a ministry geared toward infertility, that would have been helpful because I didn't even know who to call upon as someone yeah. who I could talk to about it. I mean, I am, we're very fortunate to have wonderful, we both have wonderful sets of parents um, who are walking with the Lord, and then we have wonderful set of Bible study leaders, mm -hmm. but none of them had experienced this type of trial. Yeah. And you, when you're going through it, you really are like, well, you don't really know what you're talking. Yeah. You don't really understand what this feels like because you didn't have that. And right. um, 
And you mentioned this earlier when you said you tell people who have lost a child to fully expect that people are going to say things that mm -hmm. are hurtful and they do not intend for them to be hurtful. And I would say that that was one of the hardest things and something that as I've you know, then had the opportunity to talk to other people um, who are going through infertility, things that people say to you, they it really is coming from a good place. And people tend to love their children, mm -hmm. and so that's a really passionate topic for them. Mm -hmm. And so um, they want to say something about children and how wonderful that is, but that can be hurtful depending mm -hmm. on where you are in that season. But I mean, if there was a specific ministry toward it, or even if there was just a resource list of, yeah. okay, these five women or men, mm -hmm. for that matter, have stepped up and have said, this is something that we walked through. And if someone in the church reaches out and is looking for a resource, we'd be happy to yeah. be that resource to them. Because it certainly exists. You know, mm -hmm. I know it does. So that's, that's really good advice. Let's talk about men for a minute. Um, how did you and your husband grieve differently? You mentioned earlier that you did. Mm -hmm. And then um, how did you help one another through it? What were things that you all said to each other or did for each other that really helped? Mm. I've got to think about that one. Um, I mean, my husband is so sweet. He really is. But neither he nor I are particularly emotional. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that I ever cried the whole mm -hmm. time. I maybe cried one time kind of toward the end. I, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I even cried. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think he realized for a long time how heavy it was mm -hmm. um, on my heart. Yeah, because you don't much... have the, the, the non-verbal, right? The tears, all those <laughs> no. things weren't coming. So it's like, no. he just didn't know. He's like, oh, she's fine. You know, mm -hmm. she's fine. And so, I mean, that would maybe be an encouragement to husbands that even if, if, they're, if this is something that they're going through if their wife is not crying. It doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily mean that she's not hurting. Yeah. And that would be true of any type of grief. Sure. Just because you don't see tears on somebody's face doesn't mm -hmm. mean that they're not in a difficult season. Mm -hmm. or. Um, but also, if there are a lot of tears, because some people do cry a lot, and then the tears stop, that doesn't mean the grief is over. Right? Yes. Because sometimes men can be like, oh, whew, okay. I'm We're glad. done. Glad she's better. <laughs> yeah. Know? But that might not be the case. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for him, I, I feel like for my husband, the grief was not so much as, like, he had confidence that it, I, I actually feel like he was more confident in that the Lord was going to take care of us mm -hmm. and, you know, eventually answer our prayers mm -hmm. than I was. And so I think his grief in a way was more for me than mm -hmm. it was, my grief was about us not having a child mm -hmm. and his grief was more for me and so that I was hurting so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I just don't think it was as heavy on him. And so I don't know that he's had as much of, you know, like this long healing process as I've experienced, mm -hmm. but, um, I mean, he loves having kids and everything. Mm -hmm. So maybe that was how he's not a particularly emotional person. Yeah. So. Well, I think it just, again, it reiterates how easy it is for us to think that our spouse or a sibling, if we're all grieving something that's similar, that we should all grieve the same way. Mm -hmm. And um, and we don't. 
you know, and different things that touch. Like you were obviously very moved by music mm -hmm. that really, and I think that's great. I think it goes back to the Psalms <laughs> thing about David playing, you know, mm -hmm. the instruments even for Saul to soothe his soul. Um, some people, it's like they don't, music doesn't do that for them. If you mm -hmm. look at the presets in their car, they're all talk radio. They, they don't, music is in their thing. Mm -hmm. um, but for some, it really is. And I think to learn from other people what that looks like or what options are could be extremely comforting. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, my husband has had something in his own life that I would say is, has been more um, impactful on him mm -hmm. than our, like our infertility journey, mm -hmm. journey in particular. And, you know, he, that was interesting to watch him go through that and mm -hmm. how he grieved that situation and um, what it meant for everything that the people who were impacted in that situation. And, um, you know, it's just, it's different. To your point, everyone handles grief differently. And now as a mom, you know, you're raising these children who are already have, but even as they get older, they're gonna experience their own griefs. Mm -hmm. And we've watched that, you know, and how differently, even with different children, my wife's, the way my wife grieves connects well with some of them. In a particular moment, the way I grieve connects well and others. And it's really important to just be patient with that, just to understand, hey, this is, this is kind of what they need right now. Mm -hmm. um, I remember one night, my youngest daughter was really grieving something it was very painful to her and you know some people might not think it was that big a deal but my wife could tell it was very like, real to it was her. very very real and it was late it was like 11 30 at night and it was a school night and she just was like mark i need you to enter into this but i knew what she meant my entering into that was to change the channel mm -hmm. it was to help her so i just said hey let's go get some pancakes mm -hmm. and she was like I said, no, I'm serious. She's like, it's 11.30, it's a school. I said, no, <laughs> let's go. And we did. We went to IHOP, you know, got there at 11.45. And she wasn't, she wasn't very old, maybe 9, 10, 11, somewhere there. I was like, now, IHOP at midnight looks a lot different it's than IHOP in the morning. The crowd, you know, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> but it was interesting because it changed the channel, mm -hmm. which gave her an opportunity to talk about the issues, but just a little bit of a different scene. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't trying to make it go away. Um, I knew that wasn't what she needed, but she needed a different setting mm -hmm. just for a moment. And that, that's become a great memory for us. Mm -hmm. you know? And every once in a while, when she's telling myself, like, hey, do we need to go get pancakes? And <laughs> she'll chuckle and she'll be like, no, but maybe ice cream, you know, something like that. But that's so powerful that you knew for her that, like, her specifically and her personality, that, that was what was going to be healing in that yeah. moment and helpful to her. Like, I'm thinking about times when our four-year-old is just losing it and we're we're just not coming back we're, we're not sure what's going on and what tends to calm him down is literally I lay down next to him in his bed and just rub his back and yeah. so for some people it could look like yeah. just a really long embrace or a hug and um, for other people it's taking them to go do an activity that's fun that takes their mind off of it and that's kind of like the music for me it was helping change the channel yeah. in my head um, but to, you know, to your point, everyone processes through grief and sadness differently. And so the way that um, they can be healed in those moments and helped in those moments looks differently. And sometimes, you know, depending on what the, uh, the severity of the circumstances, 
Um, there are really wonderful resources that do exist, you know, grief share, things like that, where people can come. But what works for one person uh, doesn't work for another. Mm -hmm. uh, or, or it might, but they're just not quite ready for it yet. And I think those are really important um, tools that we have, but they're not one size fits all, you know. Um, sometimes, like for me, it was hard to admit that I had a problem. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know that I would have been comfortable yeah. going to something like that. Right. So no, You've got to identify that. Like what would work, what wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, just if you have a friend who you feel like is going through a challenging season, you have to think about, like, are they someone who's going to be willing to open up about this or not? And loving them can just look different. Yeah. And if they're not, that's okay. That that's might, okay. That, you know, like your son rubbing his back, that might not work for one of your other children. Mm -hmm. So that's okay. But as people move through different uh, episodes, different seasons of grief, back to what I said earlier, it's also seasonal, you know, in other words, it can be um, kind of really dealt with, but Days later, months later, even years later, it's like, okay, this is this is back. Mm -hmm. And it's not something we need to be afraid of. Mm -hmm. And it can be very scary, but it's like, okay, I need to, to enter back into this in whatever way is best. And what it reminds me of is just, I think about that passage in Scripture that talks about Jesus saying he was acquainted with all our griefs. Mm -hmm. And though we may feel like he's distant, uh, we may feel like his presence is nowhere near the presence of the pain, he does get it. He really does understand what that loss is like. He understands the the profound pain. He wept, you know, because he lost friends. Um, he wept watching other people who had lost, you know, think of Mary and Martha, a brother. He weeps for us, mm -hmm. you know, and that's a real sweet encouragement, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to immediately dissipate the pain we're in. Mm -hmm. I do think there's a point often in grief where the Lord begins to bless us with so much of his presence and so much of his wisdom that grief can, for some people, not all, but even become sweet grief, where all of a sudden there's something about our encounter with Christ that we begin to feel his presence um, in a way that we hadn't in some time. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, I've lost both my parents, and yet I did a lot of memorial services before I lost my parents. But when I lost, my, I lost my dad first, and they were both 71, they were young. Um, I, I was profoundly changed in the way in which I could relate to somebody who lost a parent. Mm -hmm. uh, I've not lost a child. That's not been part of our stories. I can't relate to that. I've been in many of those rooms, and I know the pain, but not personally. Mm -hmm. But my point in this is that now when somebody comes to me and I know that they've lost a parent, um, there's, just, there's just an awareness of that. I don't want to say to them, I know what you're going through because I lost a parent. I think mm -hmm. you're so wise in what you said earlier. But I can sympathize and, and empathize in a way I couldn't before. And one of the things that as time goes on, I, I try to encourage people with is that there's a moment when the, the shock and the intensity and the severity of the pain lifts mm -hmm. and then there is a sweetness of of the memory um, or even a memory of people that did gather around you or the memory of God's presence in a way mm -hmm. that is tender and I go back to Sam Joyner's comment earlier that the gift of grief, grief was the gift of God himself 
But every time somebody says something like that, they always say the same thing, but I would never want to go through it again, and I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. And I love that, because I think it's honest. It's mm -hmm. like there was tremendous fruit that's come from this bitter providence, but I wouldn't wish it upon mm -hmm. anyone. But I wouldn't have what I have if I didn't go through it. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Oh, it, I would never wish upon someone the road that you know we had to walk, but to your point, there there's a sweetness and an understanding that I have of the Lord and His faithfulness that I didn't, I wouldn't have without having gone through that season. Yeah. Well, I'm very grateful for your time that you would share a little bit about this. Is yes. there anything you would love to share that I haven't asked you yet about that? Or thoughts I can't that think of mind? anything in particular, but I really do mean it. If, there, if someone reaches out to you guys and is looking to speak one-on-one -on -one with someone, I'd be more than happy to do that. Well, I would love to continue the conversation, even thinking about what could we do? You know, how could we make it known, mm -hmm. either in our bulletin or on our website that just says, hey, if you're going through something like this, here's somebody to call. Mm -hmm. um, because uh, it's sometimes so simple to have something so easily available or at least known about that can make such a difference when somebody's mm -hmm. going through it. And I know there are a lot of women and men in our church who've gone through various things that could certainly help mm -hmm. connect them with others who are going through it. Mm -hmm. So grateful for you, for well, the thank radiance. Thank you for having me. Yeah, <laughs> the radiance of Christ in your life, the way you love him, and just the honesty that you've shared today. And I'm really, really grateful. I know it will be encouraging to a lot of people. Thank you. We're so grateful that you've had time with us today. And again, if this is a particular thing you're going through with infertility or some other grief that you're experiencing, um, we don't want you to do that alone. Uh, we can't sit here and say we know exactly what you're going through, uh, but we do know the power of the one who does love you and can walk through anything with you. He can lead you, be with you, and promise to never forsake you, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. We don't come at things like this as a cliche. We're very honest about the power of brokenness and pain in our lives, but also about the hope that we can have that will last for eternity. So please reach out to us. Again, you can reach out to us at deeplight at pcpc.org or call our church office at 214-224-2500. There'll be uh, some show notes that give you those opportunities for connection. Uh, Lila, thank you again for your time and may the Lord continue to bless you as a mom and a wife and continues to use you in a mighty way, even in a ministry such as this. Thank you for having me. Uh, God bless you. Thanks again for watching. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Deep Light Podcast from Park City's Presbyterian Church. We would love for you to be our guest this Sunday morning as we gather together for worship at 8, 9.30, or 11 a.m. We are located in the Uptown Dallas area at the corner of Oakland Avenue and Wycliffe Avenue. To find out more, please visit pcpc.org.